0: Welcome to Sales Souls with a combined 100 or so years of making interesting decisions. Jamie, Justin, and myself, Peter, dedicated to helping sales leaders or aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our new BS approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Please subscribe to our YouTube and Apple Podcasts our show is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. We'd like to thank Demand Farm Analytics, Trent S., and Aaron J. for their continued support. Demandfarm.com, unlock key account growth, smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Go to Demandfarm.com, ask for Man. Hey, check out Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass at Winnalytics.com. In eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Sign your team up for the Masterclass today at winnalytics.com. If you'd like to help us out to improve the quality of our content, go to patreon.com slash sassholes. Okay, it's time for shout outs. Frank Dodds, one year at JLL, Alexander Bean, two years at Salesforce. Congrats, Joseph, being promoted to SVP of Sales Corporate Agency Partnerships at Jopket. Matt Grover, how you doing, brother? One year at RecruitX. Morgan Watt, 18 years at CareerBuilder. I remember you came out of college and hopped on board. Congrats, that's a long time. Ron Heyman, old school, happy birthday. Tony Benjamin, four years at Verizon Connect. Mark Hector, one year at Tapalti. Kim Harper, one year at Swugo. Kyle Porter, new position, team lead, enterprise sales at talent.com. Hey, Sierra Evans, new job at Thousand Eyes. Stephanie Burton-Willis, got a new job as product marketing at Side. What's going on, Carney? Nothing, beat. (laughs) Hey, more layoffs out there. Uh,
1: yeah a lot of layoffs. oracle just laid off a ton of people uh, yesterday i believe i know some people impacted by it. there's more to come
0: right. all, our our buddy dave burke has said we got what another 18 months
1: 18 it's months 19. out of the recession but the layoffs are probably going to occur in the next six months and then any layoffs after the next six months is probably the company going out of business If you have to do another round of layoffs. Well, I thought that this could be
0: a good time to go over the basics of what happens during a layoff or a riff reduction in force, whatever you want to call it. Take it from the finance side, which is you, and the sales side, which is me. Uh, So if anybody's out there, you know, like, oh, my God, what do I do? At least this is a clue. Around August, July, August, is that normally when people start looking at their books, if there's not a recession or not layoffs, you know, stuff going on in general?
1: After the first quarter is when they start looking at their books. The first quarter, your forecast is usually your budget. And when you miss in the first quarter, you restate earnings for the rest of the year. And at that point, you make a judgment call on what you need to do to get to your bottom line, if your bottom line is your is your goal if you're if that's your goal?
0: So behind the scenes, you have a board of directors, you had a sales plan that was put in place. How long ago?
1: Plan is usually um, first iteration is usually done, let's say, calendar year, calendar year, not fiscal okay. year, you know. Yeah. Uh, so in a calendar fiscal year, um, October is probably when you first have a preliminary plan, but your plan doesn't get really um, tied down until. First and next year. In because in October, you're estimating what your final results are for the year. Once you get the final results, which usually takes about a week to make everything settle, then you're tweaking your plan based on the end results because you have growth metrics you have to hit. So if you crush yeah. your forecast number, your number, the plan is probably going to go up. If you miss, the plan might go down, or the CEO might step in and say, We'll make up that difference next year, anyways. What's going on when you have what? What's going
0: on at a company when it gets to be February or March and the sales teams don't have their quotas yet? Is that usual, or what's that's not supposed no. to happen, or it can happen? What's
1: it can happen? A lot of times it happens because unknown territories, unknown strategy,
0: yeah,
1: uh, unknown what's going on. Like yeah, a lot of unknowns that go there. Uh, there's a lot of guesses that had to be made, and a lot of times the people are afraid to stick their, stick their neck on the line and make an opinion because this does impact people's comps. So in a way they think, Oh, if we hold off, we'll make everyone whole. But if you're a sales rep, there's no way you're not pissed off that you don't have a quota. Right? Well, you want to know what your goal is, right?
0: Yeah. You know. I mean,
1: I know, I know um, when it comes to bonuses, you know, uh, there are companies out there that do quarterly bonuses, right? Behind the scenes and they say, Hey, for the non-sales people, you get a quarterly bonus based on these five, you know, you can get at 50%, 75%, 100%, 125%, 150%. The reality is the company behind the scenes is trying to make it so that the entire uh, non-sales people get 100 or maybe 75% are in that mix. They don't want to overpay on those bonuses. So even though you might be an individual that kills it, they're going to make yeah. sure you. Not everyone gets a huge pay. Okay. Same thing happens with sales comp though. When they when they look at it, the longer they wait, the more they're trying to get someone to their OTE rather than accelerators.
0: So what's had it happening at the board level and the CEO level and the CRO level or chief sales, whatever the hell you want to call them out there, because like right now you're we're we're planning. For, you're saying they started planning in the first quarter, but layoffs are happening now. The board gets together together once a quarter, right? And then there's usually a, a, a fire drill after that.
1: Yeah, there's always
0: fire drills.
1: Uh, I mean, this is a macro environment that you can't predict. If everyone yeah. could predict when the, everyone knew a downturn was coming, some people would say six months. Some thought it was going to be two years. It ended up being six months from when yeah. uh, the downturns started. It's too hard to predict that when when the macro environment turns, deals get delayed. Uh, it's harder to get cash because interest rates are on the rise because of inflation.
0: Does that mean that you're looking in your deal flow? You're looking at the uh, uh, you're looking into your sales force because everything's entered in Salesforce, and you can see you know when the deals are going to come in, right? And th- that should be slowing mm-hmm. down, or all of a sudden it's like your 100%
1: surety turned into 0%. At the beginning of every recession, when it becomes more known that it's a recession, like it is right now, yeah, it's very rare to get a deal in period that's over a certain dollar amount, unless it's a renewal, because for two reasons, people buy from people, right? And people are afraid to put their neck on the line and sign a three, $400,000 annual incremental spend when... They're unsure if they're gonna be around in the next 30 to 90 days. What happens is once those initial rifts are done, if you're in sales, once those initial rifts are done, problem is what, what what really occurs is when a rift occurs, there's 60 to 90 days after a rift occurs at a company that the revenue org is back to spending because they need to do uh, more with less, right? And to do more with less, they either need to outsource certain functions that they didn't, they don't have anymore, outsource certain functions that are less uh, worthy of their sales or operations time, um, and, and and use tech or use technology to sort of automate certain things so that they can get to the results faster and quicker. And so um, they're going to start doing that. Um, 60 to 90 days after basically there's a a licking your wounds period that occurs. Hey, we just did a riff. Everyone lick your wounds. Now it's time to get going.
0: Yes. What I'm trying to do is figure out to have a riff, you got to have a board meeting. So you got to know when the board meetings are. And then let's see, January, February, March, April, something's going to happen. May, June, July, August. Now we're in August. Do you think we're going to see a lot of things happening in August, September? Yeah,
1: there is, uh, from my understanding, there's a lot of firms out there that have what they call go-gets, right? So what a go-get is in a financial world, a go-get is, uh, you need to go get me $3 million worth of expenses. So what a finance team initially does is they uh, identify how many people it doesn't matter how great you are or how, how bad you are. gonna yep. identify people to get to the 3 million. That's typically the first uh, thing that happens. And then what they do is they remove some of those because there's always uh, a cushion in a budget, expense budget. So maybe if they had to get one, 3 million, there might be 1 million of cushion. So now they're able to say, okay, now I got 2 million worth mm-hmm. of people. Then what they do is they go through and audit every single uh, contract that's out there and try to save as many people as possible. But at the end of the day, when you need to get expense, the real, the, the, the crutch of it is it's people. It, it's right, gotta right. be people because that's the only thing that can be termed at any time. Like whereas that. some of these contracts you can't turn. So what's so going uh, at like uh I don't need really specifics,
0: but give me some scenarios how it generally works. Does it happen after a board meeting and you get the phone call, everybody in? You got an all-night meeting? Yeah,
1: sometimes it's – well, it's usually uh, your finance people and a handful of other people inside the company, and it's very tight-lipped. It has to be. Um, I know it comes off a lot of times as being very cold, right? When you have been there five years and you get cut, it's very cold. A lot of that has to do with HR and legal saying you have to read a script. At the end of the day, no one wants to make these cuts. Um, mm-hmm. They're making those cuts. That's where it's like a business is geared to make a business. So what happens is usually the finance people are involved Then they're going through it. And things can change up until a day before the the riff. There might be Certain people in play that they're trying to save, and the executives are trying to save. There are also other legal things, depending on what state you are. um, You might be able to save certain people because they it might be easier for the company to digest laying off an entire department rather than laying off most of the department and keeping two. Um, So, state laws, different types of laws, might come into play where you just have to cut entireties. So Kearney, if you're doing budget planning
0: and there's something called the WARN notice, I'm not really up to speed on that, but if you have to give a certain amount of time to let these people know that they're going to be laid off, how do you budget for that? So I'm not an
1: expert on the WARN, but my understanding is that if you're laying off about 100 employees or uh, more than 100 employees or 33% of your company, you have to, in some way, notify the public and then sixty days in advance, okay. or maybe it's uh, maybe it's also like you can let them leave and you include the sixty days in their severance package. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know how you can circumvent that rule, yeah. yeah. But there is a protection on mass layoffs; it's called right. So okay. it's a warning act and regulation, and I do okay. believe it changes by state. Okay. So you have a board meeting,
0: everybody's called in, it's hush-hush, and then certain people get called to a certain floor, <laughs> certain people get called to another floor. Well, nowadays
1: floor. it's Zoom meetings, right? Yeah. Like, hey, you got a Zoom meeting, um, and uh, certain people are just added to a Zoom meeting on their calendar, either one-on-one or in a group. Yeah. And depending on HR and your legal Your legal and HR guidance, it's either read a script, get you to sign something, and then severance kicks in when you sign something. And that signing is basically like, hey, I'm not going to sue you. Yeah, Um, You've got to remember, in most cases, we've been through this a lot, no one in the company wants to do this to anybody. You know, it's a very dark day uh, where people are getting called in to get let go there are outsiders. Sometimes when you know we've we've dealt with it when a PE firm might buy you, and that's not like a downturn in the economy as much as it's a uh, a restructuring of the company to make it more profitable. Those are those are bad. It's worse when it's a downturn in the economy because you know the people that are going to get laid off are probably going to take probably could take them three to six months to find a new job. The, the, the big the big
0: problem that I have is that is you don't know it's coming. That's a sad day where. When it's a surprise, it's a surprise to the sales leader. It's a surprise to the CEO where the board says, uh, sorry, guys. And then it's a surprise to the rest of the company. That That's horrible. And a surprise to the CEO is when you have denial, right? Things mm-hmm. aren't bad till they, 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 get, they get bad. Is it generally 10%, 20%? When you go, get. you can
1: always cut like i i believe the rule or the saying i've always heard is at any given time a company could cut five to ten percent of their workforce and costs and not feel a blip and that yeah. that does hold true if you really think about it even in sales you probably have more than ten percent on ramp right <laughs> they're just yeah half uh, half workers right um yeah. So you could probably cut them and not feel a blip. Same thing. There's probably 10% of your workforce that are, you know, it's more of a job for them or they're just, you, you're holding on to them because you can hold on to them. So yeah, there, you can always cut 10%. So 10% isn't bad. Um, when you go above 10%, it's it depends, you know, it depends on how you're looking at it. If I'm looking at a company that isn't a huge company, right? Like Oracle laying off, I don't know, I don't know how many they laid off probably a couple thousand. I mean, they've got, that's probably less than 10% of their workforce, right? But a smaller company, you know, layoffs do impact them in a big way. Uh, however, if they're laying off people, I see a lot of posts going, I can't believe a company's laying off people yet hiring and, you know, hiring still. And it's like, well, they're re- that's more of a restructuring. Um, maybe they're, they've been spending on certain things that, were experiments that they just can't afford the experiments anymore, or maybe they were just overspending in certain areas and not in others. And they want to change and pivot the direction in others guys that happens. So don't take offense to that. That just happens. Hopefully you're on the the part that they're investing in, not the part that they're, they're outsourcing or just removing completely.
0: Well, if they go to the finance team and say, you got to lose 20%, like how do you, how do you go to a team that doesn't have, sales stats and my goodness you don't have any review process how do you pick who
1: goes well at the end of the day you don't yeah you just tell the 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 finance person is the deliverer of bad news of how much they have to get rid of and you say you have to get rid of 20 people give me that list by next friday And then they'll give you the list by next Friday. Then you take that list and say, okay, I've got these. But while you're doing that list of people, the finance person's combing through every single contract and trying to figure out how many contracts can I get out of? How many contracts are we not utilizing? So if you're in ops and you don't know what's going on, or you're in operations and sales ops, and you're getting a call from your finance person about every single contract and saying, hey, do you use this contract? Why are we still in it? Can we opt out? There's an opt-out language. Can we do this? There's bigger things going on, guys. So they're trying what they're trying to do. And and if you're an ops person, you should take that call because what that finance person is trying to do without letting you know is maybe someone's getting twenty people to remove. That person's trying to save three or four of them. He's trying. He or she is trying to go through all these contracts and try to remove as much expense. So when that leader says, here's the 20, he can he or she can go back and say, guess what? I just saved you four or five. I know during the pandemic, uh, we had to, at the company I was at, we had to, you know, right away, April, mid-April, we decided to make a big cut uh, when the pandemic hit uh, in March and everyone was sent home. A month later, we made a big cut and we said, we're going to make one cut. That's it. I think the day before I saved three uh, people's lives by termination uh, contract, letters to the software companies that we had bought. We weren't really using uh, yeah. their products. And so then I was able to go back and save three or four and give that back. And I was combing through and saving a couple during the entire process in that entire revorg that we were cutting per- certain people. From.
0: So at the end of the day, it's not really an exact science. It could be, but it's not. And Carney, I'm going to show you, I've had to do it a couple times in my career, it's happened to me a couple times, and I had to do it a couple times. Our good old boy Jack Welch, remember him? All right, he had a couple. Uh, there's a couple books out there that I gave to, to my to my leaders. One was winning, and the other one was Welch didn't write it. This guy Crames did. Uh, four E's and a P of leadership. When you give the book to somebody, you have something. You have a common dialogue, a common language that you can point to that it's not you saying it it's the book saying it and it makes sense and it's something that we want to apply to the organization because it makes business sense one of the things that we talked about last week the 207010 you have your top 20% of your people you have your middle 70 and your bottom 10 People that are in the bottom 10 should know who's that they're in the bottom 10. And that's my issue with no surprises, right? It shouldn't be surprised that you're in the bottom 10. The vitality curve is what what he called it. You ever hear that term before, Carney? I have. (laughs) Where did you hear that at? I think you. (laughs) Okay. Everybody should have a reason why they're doing the job. If you don't have a good enough reason why you're doing the job, whether you're a leader or or, or a contributor, whether you're doing great or not, you you shouldn't be at the company because you don't know why you're there. This is a representation when physically we were in the office, you would have something to walk by. Now, I'm sure you would have something online in a Zoom meeting, but everybody on the team would put their reasons up why they are on the team. It's just very, very uh, important to have these smart goals, you know, that they're specific and time sensitive. Everybody should know where they're at, that they did what they're supposed to do or not do what they're supposed to do. And good to great, they talk about, you know, the what is the underlying common denominator to your business? And... To me, when I was running a business, if I knew I had a, if I was running a conversation with somebody who could buy the product, that is the most important thing that I could be doing. And I would like to judge everybody based on that. And I, I always wanted to know who was going to do, who did what they were supposed to do, who ran 30 appointments, 25, who set appointments, depending at, this is back when the BDRs and the SDRs were becoming a thing. I just wanted to know who we can reach out who is doing it and whether it is a a leader or a contributor. If you're a leader, did your team get the amount of work that needed to be done that guaranteed, you know, future success?
1: When I look at this, if this is how your leader, your immediate leader is managing you or leading you saying, hey, this is what I need as a minimum. You should be crushing each of those goals. They're usually not setting stuff that is so hard for you to attain. Your first focus completely is thirty runs or twenty-five runs or twenty-five what, sets, whatever the number is, because whatever there's different is. sales cycles, right? And if you're not yeah. hitting that, then you you got to sit there and say, I can't be surprised when a when a riff occurs that I'm on that block. If you're above it and you're killing it, at least doing the activity that they're out there. Well, they're Part of the communication is why do you have these
0: numbers? Because here's a little secret sales contest. Anytime you do a sales contest, they're probably not going to be any more motivated than they are for that contest. Hopefully you got a good enough prize. That should they should be at peak ability, right? Well, if you take two thirds of that peak ability, they should be able to do that all the time. And that's where these numbers come
1: from. Yeah. And I get it. And what I'm trying to say is if you are if you're out there right now and you don't agree with the the way your leader measures your success and therefore you're just ignoring it. You're probably at jeopardy being on the chopping block, even if you are delivering value or you think you are.
0: The leadership council where you take people, how to, how to build up your bench. You take a couple people from each sales team or even non-sales team. I used to have, and I used to have HR people, finance people, anybody join the process because the more people that are involved, the more you're spreading out the risk that everybody's involved. You would give out that winning book. You'd give out the four E's and a P you would read a chapter a week and you would get together and talk about it. And you would go over the, these results. So it wouldn't be surprised that, Oh wow, that team didn't do it. Which leaders should go? Well, people, when people leave a company, they leave because of the manager. You've heard that one. Yeah. Well, each, each month, you know, First, break all the rules. Uh, the Gallup publication they had a Q twelve survey, survey, and you ask these twelve questions each month. Each each month, and the leader would get a score, and the leader would, uh, the vice president will talk to the director, the director to the manager, and you, you could see a roll up. And depending on whether the leader has a new team, is it a new leader? Because anytime you're taking over a veteran team and you're a new leader, you're going to get dinged. But if you can compare numbers over time, this is another gauge that you can use to determine whether somebody should stay on the team or not as a leader. Uh, Differentiation rep and manager rankings, same thing. Depending on how much work you're doing, uh, your sales stack rank. Is based on the work that you've done in the past. Your Salesforce activity is going to be a determination of the future, whether you're a leader or up. Taking a look at that, that was always a strong thing to look at. Whatever is going to determine success to your business, you want to reward what, what, what's going to help you get, get forward. And this, this is the beautiful thing right here. You have a nice X and Y matrix. All the people on the upper right, these are the people that are working hard and they are producing results. The size of the bubble is whatever, if you wanna call it revenue, if you wanna call it net bookings, whatever it is, the bigger the bubble, the better. The people in the top right, these people you know, hey, they're working hard, they're producing results, I'm gonna keep those people. Bottom left, no work, no results. That could be your PIP, that could be your bottom 10%, but do you notice the big bubbles here? These could be reps that either are they have too many renewals or they have too much opportunity. Wh- whatever it is, they've been around a long time. You may want to have a little motivation session with them. The yeah. people in people in the top left, okay. These are generally your newer people that, or uh, you have veterans that are really good at making a lot of phone calls, but they don't have the skill to close any business. So you see a lot of work and not as many maybe they results. have some bad
1: accounts, well, or they just don't have great accounts. And maybe that person with the big bubble on the left, you gave him a great her him or her a her great account. You might want to move that. And the question is, is that in jeopardy if you move it?
0: Bottom right, these people are producing the results, but aren't doing a lot of work. Okay, and generally, what happens is it's like a it's like a clock almost. You you start out in the top left. Then you go to the top right. Then you go to the bottom right. Then you have a little meeting with them. And then hopefully they get back up to the top. Or they go over here and it becomes pip time or, you know, getting rid of them. There's just a few bubbles here. But just imagine if you have several hundred people and you have to do uh, a riff. This kind of helps you take a look at, huh. Who should stay, who should go. And it should everybody should see this each month. It shouldn't be a
1: surprise. So this works when you're talking about sales. When you're talking about non-sales, it's very difficult to gauge success and productivity from a non-sales person because they don't, it's not black and white. How much did you sell? How many Yeah, I'm did? gonna talk.
0: I'm gonna talk to you about that. Let me close, let me close this out. Getting into projections and whatnot, if you're if your team is putting crap in the sales force. You should be able to, if you're a good enough leader, there shouldn't be very much variance based on what you say you're going to do 30 days out, 60 days out, 90 days out versus what actually comes in. I would have my guys after the fifth day of the month say, Hey, man, what are you going to produce for this month? And I would take a look, Hey, how much, how well do they know their business that that's out there? To the reviews every quarter every week you sh- there should be whether it's the four E's and a p whether it's a stack rank whatever it is there should be some type of communication between the leader and the rep that hey you know what if we had a rift today you would be on that bottom 10% you would be on that bottom you know 20% whatever it is okay that was just simple leadership 101 bare, bare bones basics now carney what i want to ask you is for the non sales
1: do they do reviews anymore? I haven't been around. They in a while. Do, but Reviews are always biased and subjective. There's a couple ways to gauge non-salespeople. One is, uh, the, and the way cuts occur. In the revorg, there are non-salespeople in the revorg, right? Mm-hmm. And, but inside there, there there's always ratios that you want to sort of maintain. How many uh, SEs to rep ratio? How many overlays to rep ratio? how many um, customer success to maybe accounts ratio there's certain ratios that you want to keep that you say hey these are either ones that I've I have benchmarks from previous companies or it's something that we're trying to maintain so if there are cuts and you are let's say you're at a 10 uh, uh, you know a one to one ratio operations to salespeople more than likely an operations person is going to get cut because that's probably closer to like 50 to one Right, an ops yeah. person, ops analyst to a Um, That's when you're at risk if you're in the rev org, um, especially in a grow company. Like a, you, you do get cut in the rev org if you're in a maintain, not a high growth company. Um, outside of that, then it's percentage. So there is a there is a percentage of revenue that your department wants to get to, and maybe they've been trying to get to it for a while through. Incremental, you know, incremental uh, increases in pay, uh, cutting certain things, outsourcing certain functions. During a recession, you get to that number. There's no longer like, oh, we were close. We wanted to get to nine percent for uh, five, you know GNA, and and we were at twelve percent. During a recession, you get to that nine percent. If that's your goal that you've been measured yourself with, and these are discussions that are happening at the CFO level and the board level. We need to get to this certain ratio because this is what our portfolio of companies wants as your overall spending. How do you get their people? And so how do you get judged on that? Well, one, do you come to work? Do you show up to work? Do your personal problems don't impact your company problems? Right? How is that recorded, though? This is all done. This is another thing. It's all done subjectively, right? Yeah. But one thing is, one thing that they will check, especially in a non- uh, a black and white world who's uh, like at least when we used to go to the office and now when you're here who's signing in and who's signing out every day consistently right so even if you're working from home make sure you sign in and make yeah. sure you sign out and you don't sign in at noon and sign out at one like uh, Eric Bachman from Silicon Valley who said he'd be the last to arrive and the first to leave um, don't be Eric Bachman Right? During a recession period. Sign in and and sign out at the times you're supposed to be there. Be present when you're supposed to be there. And make sure you've been doing that for a while. Because doing it just during a recession doesn't mean history uh, rewrites itself. Um, And that's the same going into an office. Make sure you were, you know, your badge was working in the morning and working at night. I did look at that, too, the key codes. Whenever people use the uh, key card to uh, come in. Was, you look at that, you do you look at vacation, you look at key cards, not that vacation penalizes you, but people that are constantly taking, but sick it does. Days. It does. but people that are constantly taking sick days, like if you are the guy who every Monday, every other Monday is calling in sick or every other Friday is calling in sick last second, those impact you show up when you're told to be showing up. And that's why I say, don't have your personal problems impact your company problems. Right? Uh, the, the company should not be impacted by your personal problems. They could know it, but they you do not want to show it. Right? Um, how come they, when, when you take a job,
0: why don't they tell you how many hours is expected of you at work?
1: All right. So in non sales, so, and this is where I, I talk about this actually a lot with uh, the company on that. Um, a lot of sales ops people are former sales reps, right? Yeah. Most sales ops people are former sales reps. That is a pure operations role, but what it ends up becoming is an ad hoc role. And the reason being is those sales reps, though they might be great at Excel for the sales department, they're kind of like the tallest midget when it comes to Excel skills to an operator. Why right. do I say that? Because when you get brought in as an operations role, the only way, like a finance person or anything, the only way you can get promoted is do more with less, right? That, that theme comes in. How do I get, how do I get this done? How do I get all my stuff done so that I can take on more work in my 40 or 50 hour work week, right? Some people do it by working 80 hours a week and they're killing themselves, but the ones that get the work, scalable. that's not scalable, scalable. So what you do is you have to figure out how do I operationalize my processes that I'm working in today and remove all the inefficiencies so I can get my work done more efficiently and better so that I can go to my boss and say, I need more work. They're not gonna give you more work when you're struggling at getting the work in front of you done. So what happens is you come out of college, you get your first job, you start cutting your teeth on going through this tasks so of how do I get all this stuff in front of me done so I can free up more time and get more done and then that's how you get more with less so that by the time if you moved into an op, a sales ops role, you're not going to be an ad hoc specialist because you've already been trained in how to do more with less and how to operationalize everything, whereas a lot of these sales ops people are thrown into it from sales, and they were great at Excel, but they haven't really gone through what everyone else has gone through from the onset of their work job until now. And so I see that a lot in today's world. Well, here on the flip side, if you don't know
0: – who should be cut? Then how do you know when you need to add people?
1: When they I always say you, you don't add until you break the people that you're adding and, and that there are well, how do you efficient. know when you're breaking them? So, I guess is what I'm saying So here. Here's the way I do it. And Bob Montgomery used to say this. If you can't get your work done in 40 hours, I'm going to make, two, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to judge you in two different ways. Either you're not the right person or I need to get you help. So it's a 50, 50 chance on what's going to happen to you. Right. But if you can't get your work done in 40 hours, I am now going to look and say, is this the right person for the job? And if I feel like your effort is there and you're actually, you know, you can do the work, you've got the skill, I'm going to get you somebody else. But if you can't get that work done and I review it and say, you don't have the skill, I'm spending too much time training you, I just need to move on and cut ties. right? Do, do companies say you got to work 40 hours? Is that the, I'm
0: not trying to be facetious here, but. It's 40 hours. That's the
1: expectation. But I would say, especially since COVID, the difference between pre-COVID and since COVID is when a person left their job, their office, their cubicle, whatever it was, people respected those boundaries a little bit more pre-COVID, meaning that, oh, there's no one at the desk. I'll wait till tomorrow, right? And uh, only will I reach out if I really, really need it. Since COVID, there's no desk or lights being turned off in your office and door being closed. Therefore, and they, everyone just assumes no one's got anything else to do besides stare at a computer screen. So the reach out occurs Saturdays, Sundays, Friday nights at midnight. You'll get reached out and you'll feel like compelled to do it because you're not. Your office and home have merged. George Costanza said those two worlds have collided. During COVID, both worlds have collided. A lot of the consultants, when they come
0: in, they'll do a time analysis. They'll they'll look at your calendar. They'll sit with you chair-side for a week or two, and, and they'll watch what you do you know, every day. <laughs> you do you know what it? a
1: consultant – all right, so let me tell you what a consultant does. A consultant just tells you what we already know, right? The reality no. is – the reality is a consultant, there's a joke out there. A consultant pulls up, or a, a consultant pulls up in his BMW, goes to a, a, a sheep herder, and says, I bet you I can tell you how many sheep you have. And in, five, in, in two minutes, and if I do, I get to take one of your sheep. And the, sh- the shepherder goes, Fine. And the, the, the guy pulls out his computer, types in a computer screen, and says, You got 1,138 sheep. And the sheep herder goes, That's great. And he goes and grabs an animal, throws it in the back of the car. before he jumps into his BMW, the herder goes, I bet you I could tell you what you do for a living. And if I do, I get my animal back. And he goes, fine, tell me. He goes, you're a consultant. Well, how did you know that? He goes, well, you came here uninvited. You told me something I already uh, knew, and he has to get paid for it. Now can I have my dog back?
0: You may keep that.
1: <laughs> but that's what a consultant does. So they're just sitting there. The reason why consultants get brought in is either to validate – what you already know so yeah. that it comes from a third, third party, party. You can you can sell that in, uh, you know, upstream. So it's not biased. That's a majority of the reason why you're paying $300,000 for a McKinsey consultant. Yeah. Well, and you can
0: save the 300 grand and let's just say you're lucky. You don't have any layoffs right now. You should know how many people you need for the team, for the work that's being done just watching what they're doing because that's what engineers do when they figure out software, right? They look at a user and they see what they do, and they try to adjust the software base, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. So it's exactly. a lot of things. A lot of things that I saw. Uh, that's back when. Uh, remember chatbots? I don't know if yeah. people are still using them, but best thing you can do as a leader is remove an obstacle. And if you can take away a reoccurring event. By not having a paid body dealing with it, that's pretty good efficiency. So, yes. recur- yeah, recurring questions. How do I, how does this, you know, and you can have, get a quick answer, I think, Ch- you know, the Now, Bonser- the biggest
1: problem I have, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think a leader should remove obstacles either by uh, looking, observing processes, not adding to administrative tasks remove meaningful administrative tasks as much as possible, automate it through either outsourcing or through technology. And that leader then is freeing up your people's time, right? The biggest oh, they, problem I have with the, what you just said, though, is that the leaders that do that proactively, you know, and you're in a big company and you're like, oh, I'm I'm bringing in a chatbot. bot. Oh, I'm investing in this technology to free up time and make my team more efficient. At the end of the day, when it comes down to a recession and a layoff, they don't give you a pass. (laughs) So even though you save them tons of money, they're going to come back and say, you need to cut 10% of your staff rather than, and that's one point I always have contention, like, wait, I've operated in a much more efficient manner. I should get rewarded and not have to lay off anybody since I've been able to do it with less. That does happen.
0: Well, that's a that's a catch twenty two. If in order to be a good leader, you need to have a process in place that doesn't need you. Well, if they don't need you,
1: then you're gone. The process yeah, stays. But at the go. same time, I think when you're doing those things, yeah, one part that a great leader, a good leader becomes a great leader is when they communicate out what they're doing and tell that story across the board that it gets adopted and rewarded across the board. Hey, I've invested in this. Now everyone is doing it, so that it is a level playing field rather than. I'm the only one doing it. And then also always know yeah. drive. Like if you're out there, always drive value and control what you can't control. You can't control the economy. You can't control these some of these decisions. But what you can control is showing up every day, working your tail off, staying in your lane, and getting what you're asked to get done and blowing those numbers out uh, wholeheartedly. If you can get away, if you can remove those
0: reoccurring events that are of lower quality to free up your time to deal with higher level events that can generate more revenue, that's what everybody should be doing. You still you still work in 40 hours. It's just the hours that you're working on are, are on, on higher quality events. That's all.
1: That is. I agree. By the way, every tech firm out there is selling you that dream. <laughs> Make well, sure can, you know that they can be done because signing a three-year agreement on something that doesn't work is the worst and it'll cost you your job.
0: Or <laughs> an early out. So this the stuff is going on now. Uh, hopefully the people that are listening to it right now, you haven't gotten that call, but you know when the board meeting. I guess number one thing is know when the board meeting is. Each year, right? So, right? So, let's say two to three weeks after that board meeting, stay on your toes. Number two, if you're in the office and they take away the free coffee, something's amiss. Correct.
1: <laughs> no, but seriously, number three, talk about that, or the cups. <laughs> or the cups. you, you, you got to bring your own mug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not getting reviewed, shouldn't you... Let's just say there's no
1: performance review. Can you ask for one? Especially when you're... I new think you, always, you should be always ask. hey, how am I doing? Can we have an official review? I think that's always good. At the end of the day, though, when it comes to layoffs, you could be doing um, great. Great and still get cut. Still get cut, which is the, the unfortunate thing. No one, no person left behind. Like, I know we're probably coming off and trying to show you guys or talk about facts of a layoff. But at the end of the day, every person that is cut from a company that I've been at or that I know anybody who's being cut, I feel bad for them. It's never a good thing. Even in a good economy, it's not a good thing. It hurts everyone's ego. It sets them back a little bit on their trajectory. Um, so just just know that I, I have seen it for help rather than get mad, move on and let's reach out to the people that you respected for help, and they will reach out and help in any way possible. Well, well Carney, you've seen it where people are kept on
0: because they're liked. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, you know, what I'm I'm saying is...
1: I was kept on and I was disliked.
0: (laughs) I have no comment. Um, But it shouldn't be a surprise. There should be communication. There should be goals. There should be reasons why you're there. You should know what's expected of you at work and produce. And if you produce... and and you're still cut. At least you can look in the mirror and say, "You know what? I did what I what I could do, and and move on." So this stuff do, does happen.
1: You should always think about. I I have the dump test. Yeah. Can I go take a dump on my CEO's desk and not get fired? If you have that, you don't have to worry about how they like you or not. You're too valuable. What kind of dump? Any <laughs> like Mexican I had that in a Fiesta? previous company. So no matter what I did, I was like, All right, well, "I'm safe." So, these budgets, like,
0: what do they, they, they put in there? Uh, what kind of severance do people get
1: generally? Um, a lot of people think if you've been there a long time, you're going to get like this whirlwind yeah. severance, right? The reality is, at most, you probably get is 13 weeks, uh, no matter what the situation. That's like the industry standard. Obviously, if you're not from the US, there's different uh, standards, but in the standard US, England. it's usually. 13 weeks max a week per year or something like that. Um, Probably minimum a month typically, but I don't really know what the minimum is. I just know the max is 13.
0: Well, a good salesperson, uh, you shouldn't be out of the job for long, right?
1: A good salesperson should not. Well, Yes and no. A good salesperson might stay out of a job for a while because they want to get to the right job, and yeah. they don't want to just take any job,
0: right? right. But, but they have a list of places they would they would go. A lot of people freak out is when they anxiety is caused from the fear of the unknown. If you don't have a plan, you feel like you're not in control, and you wig out. If you if you have a a list of companies that you know you want to go to next, and something happens and that's your exit plan your personal exit plan you tend to do better than an you know it's out of the, the company can make it a surprise to you but you
1: shouldn't be surprised at what you're going to do next is my 100 so. and always be networking always be networking that could be just as easy as just sending emails sending linkedin messages saying hey what's up what's going on we work together there we're reaching out to random people i I know it's odd for some people, not for me. I just reach out to random people and do coffee or lunch or just have our phone call. Always be networking. Uh, you become much and much more valuable when you're pretty well networked, especially in your skill set that you want to be in your career.
0: So, Carney, what do you think is going to happen the rest of the year? We're in August. What, what are the right? Well, I think that are-
1: in the next three months, there's going to be a lot more layoffs. If you look at the BLS, Last time I looked at the BLS, we have uh, five, I imagine right now we probably have about 7 million uh, unemployed. Um, That's still below 5%, which is optimal um, workforce. But at um, previous recessions, we've gotten as high as 20 to 21 million unemployed. Yeah. Um, And and that includes people exiting the workforce. So I'd say about 150 to 153 is our non-farm payroll we're probably gonna to get to like 15 million. We're not gonna to get to that 20 million only because we've started at historically low unemployment. Plus in the US, we've limited uh, foreign um, H1 V visa, visas and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but we have a, a talent shortage and, and we've been working on retooling our skill sets for a while that we'll probably get to about 15 million. In my opinion, home market, uh, there are two reasons why a recession maintains for a very long time. People aren't working and our home values crash. Our home values are going to go down, but they're not going to crash because of the low supply. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be a huge crash in the market uh, for the home values. And I think people are going to get employed at 15 million. You got to also remember wages have gone up 10%. So even though it's only at 15 million, the, way, or the spending power is higher. If we can get inflation down here soon, which it seems like inflation's finally leveling off and maybe going down soon, we could rebound quicker than the normal two year projection. Kearney, what number you use for full employment? 151 to 153, full employment's 5%. 5%? Okay. Unemployment. But the the non-farm payroll is around 150 to 153 million. Okay. So regardless, by the way, if you're ever looking at BLS stats, uh, if you're not looking for a job, if you say, no, I'm not looking, you're not considered employed uh, in the non farm payroll. Right. So, therefore, the non farm payroll during recessions might go down to 149. But really, there's like two to three million that might be like, I just gave up looking for now. And then they re enter the workforce when the, the market gets better. All right, Karnak. Good luck to everybody out there. Just do what you can do and network, and reach out. Peace out.
0: We'd like to thank you for listening and watching. And a special thank you to our Patreon supporters, Demand Farm Analytics, Trent S. and Aaron J. Demandfarm.com, unlock key account growth, smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Go to Demandfarm.com, ask for Man. Hey, check out Brent Keltner's Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass at Winnalytics.com. In eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Sign your team up for the masterclass today at winnalytics.com. If you'd like to help us out, we'll gladly take your support at patreon.com slash sassholds. Cue the music. Never run. So fight and fight